you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. Folks, my guests this evening are Lauren and Michael McAfee, and uh, they have a book that has, I already told them, a title that I love because it's true. The title is Beyond Our Control, and uh, as we talk, you'll get an idea of why they would write such a book. Um, Welcome to the broadcast. Thanks for having us. We're glad to be here. Um, Now, you folks have had a lot of blessing in your life. Wonderful things that God has done for you. And just, you know, a lot of people would look from the outside and say, wow, if only I could have their lives. Mm. And uh, but there's there's more to your story. Uh, You've been through some great difficulty. So share with us uh, a bit of the circumstances that God used to bring you to the point of wanting to write this book. Yeah, it was it was a journey for us over many years that led to this theme, this topic of control and mm-hmm. us having had years of wrestling with trying to grasp for control over various circumstances in our lives and realizing we were trying to take things in our own hands so often mm-hmm. and we weren't trusting those to the Lord. And so some of those circumstances for us were um, really for us, it was around building our family and mm-hmm. first was pursuing adoption. Mm-hmm. And for years and years and years, adoption wasn't working out. We were pursuing international adoption and um, simultaneously started then trying to pursue having children biologically so mm-hmm. we were pursuing all all the ways of having children, adoption and biological, and nothing was working out. And mm-hmm. so for years, we were longing for children, doing everything we could to grow our family. And we, year after year, had no children. Um, and then we finally did adopt our daughter from China internationally. Her name is Zion. And she was with us for a month and a half and then was diagnosed with uh, cancer. Mm-hmm. And so then we were walking through uh, wrestling with, okay, we have prayed for years and years and years to become parents. And we finally have our daughter and now a life-threatening uh, yes. cancer is our reality. And that was really hard for us to 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 make sense of. And so mm-hmm. Zion you had surgery, she had chemotherapy, and she's in remission now. So we're grateful for that. Um, And then our story continued with pursuing another adoption and having a placement of a child that was in our home uh, for a year. Birth mom chose us to parent. And for a lot of that adoption, things looked like they were going to move forward and um, our son, Ezra, would be with us forever. And then some unusual circumstances led to him suddenly being... um, having to be handed over to someone else and our adoption being uh, 
completely uh, dismissed. So we had to then face uh, the reality of losing a child that we thought was going to be our son forever and navigating that. So yeah, lots of ups and downs. um, But all of those things kind of happened in a matter of three, three or four years, just kind of the adoption, the cancer, the failed adoption. Um, And that was, that was so for us, just a really condensed time of having to process over and over again. Okay. These things are completely beyond our control. (laughs) And so where do you turn um, for some kind of foundation? And, and of course, God is um, the God who is in control of all things. And so he's where we turn and have, we have continued to have to learn the lesson to trust in him, trust in him, trust in him. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing that so beautifully. You know, I, I think for a lot of people, the fact that God is in control is indeed a tremendous comfort. For other people, it is this horrifying indictment uh, of God. You know, if God is in control, why aren't things going my way? As if God being in control means we're really in control and he's doing our bidding. And it doesn't work that way, as you all know, painfully and thoroughly. Uh, it's, you know, I'm going to be 70 this next birthday. And uh, I've got seven children and um, four of them are adopted. Uh, three of them internationally, one in the U.S. But I also uh, am with my wife taking care of our oldest son who was born with spina bifida and hydrocephalus and uh, is paraplegic and has a host of medical problems. And by the time he was in his mid thirties had had over 40 surgeries. Wow! And so, you know, uh, some people are like, you know, God, why, why would you allow this? And yet I was just sharing with someone recently, we've gotten to lead people to Christ Mm. and minister to people that we never would have met Mm. if it weren't for Paul being in another emergency, in the hospital, in rehab, whatever. Um, God knows what he's doing Mm -hmm. because it's all these problems that we have. And and I'm not suggesting they're not painful, but all of these problems we have are temporary. That's right. You know, if if everything goes our way, if God just said, look, in your case, I'm going to remove all the bumps in the road. I'm just going to make it smooth for you uh, at every hand, give you, what is it you'd like again? Okay, you've got it. If God did that, not only would we not become the people that we need to be who are like Jesus, mm-hmm. who learned obedience through the things that he suffered, who was made perfect through his suffering, Paul says, you know, my great desire is that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, even being made conformable to his death. We can't really know him like he wants us to know him mm-hmm. until we experience difficulty. We're living in a broken world, and Job didn't suffer because he was doing the wrong thing. He suffered because God loved him. Mm -hmm. And 
had a wonderful plan. Yeah. And I would have vetoed it if I'd been in a position to do so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I tell folks often, Job had never read the book of Job. Right. <laughs> you know, the, the rest of us at least yeah. have that. Yeah. So that we know it's, you know, these things happening doesn't mean God is is necessarily angry with us. Right. But in, in your book, you talk about the half lies that we like to believe. Talk with us a little bit about that. Well, yeah. I mean, going back to Job's narrative, I mean, uh, one of his three helpful friends yeah. tell him, if you, uh, you know, essentially, if you repent before the Lord, will he not restore your fortunes? As if uh, kind of this false gospel idea, this this prosperity, health and wealth gospel idea of, well, if you're if things aren't going your way, clearly there's something you're not doing. And so in other words, Job, you're in control. You need to do something. You need to change something about your life. And then you can receive the the life that you desire. Right. And that was for myself. I mean, that was, I believed that half lie without realizing it. And I'm, yeah. I'm you know, have been to seminary, in seminary still. Um, I'm, I'm a teaching pastor at our church. Like I would regularly teach against these things. And yet and for myself, I was... Because what you said at the beginning, on the outside, you know, grew up, met a great girl, like pursued her, convinced her, tricked her into going on a date with me. And she <laughs> now stuck with the marriage vows and everything. We worked hard. And so we got to graduate from college. We got to have a job. We got to buy a home that we can, you know, it's like everything it felt like we wanted in life was in my control and I was accomplishing it for myself. Yeah. And so that half lie was believing that sort of like, uh, I was um, expect, entitled to that type of life. As long as I was doing the things I was supposed to be doing that God would, why would he not give us children through sure. adoption first? You know, why would he not then have our bodies work where biological children come? It was a, and so then when we go through that, we finally, after seven years, get our first child mm -hmm. and find out through an incidental find this tumor on her liver. I mean, I remember just, turning to God and saying, what in the world? We've, yeah. we've done our Job part. We waited seven years to have our first, we've done our part of suffering. We're looking around at other friends that, you know, have kids quickly and easily and they're healthy. And like, what, what is the deal? We've done our, our portion. And, uh, and what ended up, what it ended up rooting out in, in me, or at least as you know, God, the Lord is continuing to root out in me is this realization that I was not only expecting things, feeling entitled to things that he never promised me right. um, that I would have, but I was also then taking for granted gifts, things in our life that I was, I should be grateful for, the house that we live in. Uh, how often do I just stop to thank him and marvel at, Lord, thank you for a house, for a warm place to be on a cold day. And what ends up happening when I live my life that way is I'm denying God the very worship and gratefulness that he created me for. Amen. And so I'm missing out on that relationship with God that I was, that uh, he, he created me to enjoy with him because I'm treating his gifts as givens. I'm yes. believing these, this half lie that because uh, I'm going to live life in accordance with God, that he's going to reward me with material, with the physical life in this world. And that that physical life here today is going to bring me the most joy, not the sort of eternal perspective of my relationship with him, 
that begins today and continues for eternity. That is the reward. That is the gift that we are promised uh, as we live our lives for him. Amen. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. And that is an ongoing lesson, Mm -hmm. you know, because even when we grasp that intellectually, as you said, you preached about this. You know, as a preacher, I know what you mean. Um, I've told people it's much easier for me to write three books on prayer, which I've done, (laughs) uh, than it is to have a a consistent quality prayer life. Because it would be much easier for me to write a book on fitness than to stay fit. (laughs) Um, and, And for us to grasp something intellectually and agree with it intellectually, Okay, God is sovereign, God's in control, God knows best, he loves us, we can trust him, all of that is true. And then two o'clock in the morning, it's like, God, what is going on? Mm -hmm. Did I do something to bring all this on myself? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, what's the deal here? Mm -hmm. And, And it's not as if every time we ask that question, God thunders back and says, let me tell you, here's what's going on. He doesn't. Oftentimes, it's that difficult, quiet, Mm -hmm. not even the still small voice, just quiet. Yeah. And yet he is not absent, and he is still perfect, and he does still love us. And every now and then, we see, oh, magnificent. And those are the times it's easy to worship. But as you pointed out, we need to do that all the time. We need to always be grateful for what he has done. And if, if if you're in a jail cell in Philippi, having had your rights violated by the government that was supposed to protect you, and instead your back is laid open with wounds and your ankles and wrists are in stocks and bonds, not the kind that they sell on Wall Street, um, <laughs> you know, if that's your situation, yeah. you still have reason to rejoice. Mm-hmm. And not just because you're alive but because wow. you're a child of God. Yeah. And it, it's going to be magnificent for eternity. Yeah. Yeah. He's doing something both in you and through you. Mm-hmm. Amen. As you're in that time, like both James one, two through four, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials or difficulties of various kinds for the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And so yes. there's joy that comes in you and through you. I, I get to tour people um, in several places, but my favorite is Washington DC at museum of the Bible. And just this week, I was taking people through, we were looking at uh, Martin Luther's uh, translation of the New Testament into the German language and right. talking about how he was doing this when he was uh, essentially in, you know, in prison, you know, <laughs> like he was in uh, locked in his home and, and what a gift that he did that. And the Apostle Paul, what a gift that imagine if he had never gone to jail, like how many yes. letters would we not have from the Apostle Paul? Like what would his ministry have looked like um, versus it? That would, when we God takes us through suffering, even if we don't see it in this life, that what he's doing in us and through us uh, is greater than what he could do if we just had the road of privilege to walk down, that, that smooth road with no bumps that you were talking about. Yeah. Now, you also, you know, a lot of people in the midst of these trials that people go through, a lot of folks are like, well, what's the point in praying then? If God's mm-hmm. going to do, you know, what God wants to do, but you talk about the fact that God's plan for prayer is not that we bend God to our will, mm-hmm. but that we bend our will 
toward gods. Yeah, that's right. About that. Yeah, I remember wrestling through that whenever we were waiting to hear the outcome of what was going to happen with our son, Ezra. We had his trial was scheduled during the season of COVID. And so everything was taking a lot longer for things around his case to be settled, whether he would stay with us and whether he wouldn't. And so, you know, I was praying that Ezra would stay with us, that we wanted to be his parents. We were his parents for the Mm -hmm. first year of his life. And that I wanted him to be our son, but would always caveat that by saying, but not my will, Lord, but yours be done. And so that was my prayer leading up to the trial. And I remember the week of the trial, though, feeling much more desperate to want my out, the outcome that I wanted to be the outcome. And so my prayer shifted in that desperation that I didn't say in my prayers, Lord, your will be done. It was no Lord. Like I want my will to be done. Like I want Ezra. I need Ezra to stay with us. Yeah. And my posture towards prayer had shifted in that season from originally praying that God's will be done to then praying, Lord, no, I want you to do my will. Like, I think I know best. I want, this is what I think um, I need. And so I want you to do my will. Mm-hmm. And that's not the purpose of prayer, right? Like what we, you mentioned earlier, we are, the purpose of our prayer is to shape our will and our hearts to be what God's will is. Amen. We don't control him, right? So we, we go to prayer, not for the sake of getting him to do what we want him to do and to get what we think is good, but it shapes us in the process of going before the Lord and yes, presenting our requests of what we want. But knowing that God is the one that that's, has the bigger picture in mind, like God is the one that knows um, the outcome of what Ezra's story will be and the outcome of what our story would be and how he would work through all of the pain points and the twists and turns that we didn't expect. And so we can trust him with our requests and rest in his sovereignty and goodness in light of the fact that we don't have that perspective. And so, yes, I can pray Mm -hmm. for what I, you know, in my limited perspective think would be best, but in the end, the goal there is for us to, to have that posture of Lord, your will be done and help me to trust you when I can't. And when that's hard Um, and the Holy spirit will work in us when we come to him in prayer. Jesus said, you earthly fathers, if your son asks for bread, will you give him a stone? If he asks for fish, will you give him a serpent? And my brother years ago, my older brother said, but Jim, what if we ask for a stone? What if we ask for a serpent? You know, what does a loving father do then? Our loving father will never make a mistake. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times we pray thinking we know best. Yeah. We don't. We don't. We simply don't. Joseph, down in Egypt, he was there unjustly. I mean, it was criminal what had happened to him that got him first as a slave and then as a prisoner. Mm -hmm. He did the right thing, saying no to Potiphar's wife. And his reward was to be thrown in the dungeon underneath the house where he'd been the head servant. I mean, this is not a good career path. 
<laughs> and and so he's he's in that situation. And of course, you all know the story so well, but it keeps saying the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. But if I was Joseph, I would have wondered about that. Mm-hmm. And oh. uh, and when he meets, you know, the wine taster and the bread uh, bread baker, and he says, you're going to die, you're going to live. Listen, buddy, when you're back at your job, please tell your boss about me and get me out of here. It's not right that I'm here. And he had to see this as, you know, an opportunity from God. He's going to have, you know, an IOU from a fellow <laughs> who has the ear of the ruler of the country. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to get out of here, finally. And the fellow says, oh, I will, I will, I will. And then goes back and completely forgets about it for two years. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, it's not just, well, that's an example of patience and suffering. It's an example of the kindness of God's sovereignty. Because if he had gone back, told Pharaoh, and Pharaoh had, and it might not have said yes, but if he had said, oh, you're, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll let him go. And he'd gone back home. Everything would have been good for about seven years or, five, you know, maybe nine years because if he'd gotten out two years earlier. So, right. but, but after nine years, all of a sudden they would have had a bad year mm-hmm. followed by another bad year, followed by another bad year. They all would have died. Mm-hmm. Tons of people would have died and not just in Egypt. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking it can take years. Yeah. Yeah. It can take a lifetime. To realize that what God was doing was saving lives. What he was doing was protecting us. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of Joe Bailey. He's in heaven now, but Joe Bailey got to be a friend. And uh, he wrote a book called The View from a Hearse, Hmm. in which he shares the story of losing, uh, in just heartbreaking ways, three of his sons. I mean, each separately, just mind blowing. Mm. And uh, the first time I heard that uh, was him speaking live. And I was just blown away. But that exchange, getting to know him, learning from him, was just in the months before our firstborn son came into this world and surprised us with birth defects we'd never heard of and that the doctors didn't anticipate. And our experience is different from everybody else's. Your experience is different from everybody else's. But what they share in common is that God not only sees every sparrow that falls to the ground, Mm -hmm. but God puts all of our tears in a bottle. Mm -hmm. He knows, he understands, he cares, he loves us, more than we love each other, more than we love ourselves, more than we love our kids. Mm-hmm. His love is perfect. Right. Right. So I want to recommend your book to our listeners. And uh, I'm very grateful to you for writing it because I know that that is not an easy task. Mm. But um, but you've done so. And now it's available. And yeah. uh, I, I would guess that with y'all's connections, you've probably been able to make it available in all kinds of venues, right? It is available. Yeah, you can get it on Amazon easily, but it's also available in every Hobby Lobby store. 
um, as well as near most bookstores. Well, um, let's just say Hobby Lobby would be a great place to go buy it. Yes. It would be. Go buy it from Hobby Lobby. And anything else that you see there, it's all on sale. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. For those of you who don't know, this family is, let's say, on good terms with the Hobby Lobby. (laughs) I know some people there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, what you've done is something beautiful. Well, thank and you. The, the fact that you've taken your journey and shared that in a way that is going to impact lots of lives. Mm-hmm. Folks, again, the book is beyond our control. And my guests have been Michael and Lauren McAfee. And uh, I just pray God's blessing on you all. And well, thank, thank you. So you thank you for taking time to be with us. We appreciate it, Jim. It's been a joy. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE, or contact us on the web at wvr.org.